0: This podcast is sponsored by The Hoopoo, the brand dedicated to the fashion, lifestyle, and culture of basketball and its fans, rooted by fundamentals and life lessons the game teaches us. Their goal is to take what we learn through the game and apply that on and off the court. Their gear sells out fast, so make sure you go follow them on social media at the hoopery and check out their online store at thehoopery.com that's www.t thehoopery.com Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals, I am your host Andre Pirano. today's guest, the X-Files joins the show, Jeremy File, we talk hoops, life, let's dive right in with Jeremy. Uh, welcome to Fadeaways and
1: Fundamentals,
0: I am your host Andre Pirano. here with Jeremy File, what's up Jeremy?
1: Andre, what's up, man? What a great uh, time we had the last show, man. Looking forward to another one.
0: Oh, man, absolutely. Thank you so much, man. I'm ready to just, as I tell you, today we're going to talk, you know, obviously NBA playoffs are going on. Um, And uh, last night, the Joker was just phenomenal in the game. Uh, He got the win. He had nine rebounds, 37 points.
1: Uh,
0: Can you elaborate on this, uh, these European players versus um, our United States players?
1: Well, I think we had talked about it in, in almost every segment when we've had this discussion about the European players or the foreign players. And one thing I always bring up is the way they pass the basketball. They are taught at a high level how to move the basketball. They have a lot of design concepts and sets, so they have to move the ball. And uh, it's a very um, high level of coaching that they go through from little kids all the way up. Jokic is, number one, he's very big, so that that doesn't hurt. You know, he's a big player, but he's just so skilled. He's a great passer. He had a pass, you know, the other night, and, and, I mean, he catches the ball and wraps it around a guy, throws it to the corner, left-hand pass. And I'm just going, Oh my goodness. I mean, for a guy that size to pass the ball that well. And when you're a threat to pass, it makes you that more of a threat to score. And he's just does a little bit of everything. And with that size and passing ability, it's, it's, it's quite phenomenal. And it's a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I had a, a huge, I was watching the game, me and my son and, I kept telling him, I'm all this this player, he's just huge. I mean, his his passing ability is is phenomenal. I mean, the last big guy that I would see would pass the ball the way he did was um Sabonis.
1: Yeah. A little bit, yeah. similarity, yes.
0: Yeah. So I love the fact of seeing that. Uh that was great. Um, you know, the player development from, you know an American standpoint versus a European standpoint is way different. Um, I hate to say it. I do know that a lot of trainers are starting to post like, you know, you got to believe in the process and you got to believe in that grind of, um, you know, you don't have to train maybe every day, but maybe do something a little bit of something every day, whether it's, you know, a little bit on your fitness, maybe a little bit on your diet, a little bit of cardio, get up your shots, you know, stuff like that. But it seems like in America, a lot of people want that microwave to success where they they need instant gratification right away. Um, And I don't think um, the European um, standpoint of coaching and player development is that way. Uh, How do you feel on that topic?
1: No, you're absolutely right. I I think a a quick way to understand this is – if you're a younger player over there in Europe, you play for one club and that's your option. I mean, your options are limited. So no matter what happens, if you want to be a basketball player, if things don't go your way, you have nowhere else to go. I mean, that's your, that's your chance. That's your coach. You better find a way to listen to them. You better find a way to develop because you're not going to be able to bounce around like kids do here. So an example is, um, let's just say your son's playing in a different country And he loves the game like he does here. There's going to be one club, one opportunity, and that's his shot. So I think that limiting the player that way is actually helped them. Whereas here, if your son's playing, and let's just say one day, he's like, you know what, Dad, I just don't want to play for you no more. I'm out of here. You know, he's got a thousand opportunities to play. And then if that don't work, he has another opportunity to leave. And he just continues to leave. And and then that hurts his development because now you're not – learning how to play with a team. You're not learning how to stick it out. You're not learning how to really develop through adversity. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could say about this topic that hurts our players here. Um, And look, the coaches is they have part of that blame as well. I mean, because a lot of times what you see is you see coaches trying to get new players every week. So I'm not going to blame just the parent and the kid for leaving. I'm going to blame the whole system. You know, I'm going to blame, you know, this is a prime example, Andre. I played for a, a pretty good AAU program. You know, Al Horford was on my team. And, and I played with Al two months straight, and I had the same teammates. All of a sudden, a month later, I've got eight new teammates. They're all from everywhere. And I never played with these guys. And now I've got to find a way to fit my game into theirs and vice versa. And, even that I mean, that was 16 years ago. I mean, it's even worse now. So that's the problem we're having. It's the constant movement. It's the constant. Everything is so fast. We we don't develop and, and focus just on that one team. It's just a constant battle of where am I going to play? Where do, I need more minutes. I need this. I need that. And it really, really affects our players here.
0: Oh, no, I totally agree. Um, I see it now on the circuit mm-hmm. here in San Diego, um, whereas – I have somebody that could be on my team. They're gone in a month. Um, A lot of parents are, quote, unquote, they really want the trophies. I hate to say it that way. I mean, I I get looked at a lot every weekend, and and they're like, oh, it's not about the wins or losses. It's not about that. But I see parents, whether they're on my side of our team or on the other opponent's, parents are upset they're they're leaving stomping their feet um they're they're mad at refs that that, that aren't aren't calling the game right um and it's just like man it's, it's about the player development it's not about the wins or losses i mean your, your kid can have 65 trophies by the time he's 15 years old and if he goes to try to play on a varsity basketball team and gets cut what, what are those it's trophies off. doing? Those trophies aren't going to get them on a high school team. Those trophies aren't going to get them in a, not even, they're, they're not even going to get them into a Juco or a division three or division two basketball team.
1: No, sure. Well, then there's no question. There's no question. And, and what happens is this, you find that we're used to a system at the youth level where the bouncing around is so bad and that's okay for the best players. Cause the best players have a place to play always. And I think that we I don't know how we change this I mean there's a I, I talked to you before we started the show about I mean there's so many hands in this thing. how do we really change it and i and I know that at the European level the top club in that area they have a lot of control over the youth and and I think that's just powerful. I mean we don't have that option here it's it's just too big it's a bigger beast in America with basketball there's too many people involved so we probably can't eliminate that. So the best thing we can do is do what me and you are doing. Now we can talk about things. We can at least give insight where, yeah, if you bounce around and you you quit every single time you're, you're preparing yourself for failure. So, I mean, we, we have that right to say these things because I don't think the system is going to change anytime soon. And, uh, but the system over there is very simple. There's one club you're playing on it. You're developing like crazy. The pro guys have a hand in it. As you get older, you're playing against pros, which is incredible. And uh, their system is really working. And, uh, you know, look, they're, they're successful in the playoffs, the guys that are at the highest level, the foreign players that is. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great topic, though. I mean, it really is.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, I, I mean, I, I watch some European basketball and, man, the way they play, it's it's just beautiful basketball. The way they move the ball. Um it, there's there's not there's no ISO. Um it's they play it as a team and as a, a as a traditional team should play. Um and I admire the way they play. Um I try to get my kids to do that. Um, like I was telling you in our last episode, I get kids that, you know, you catch, they wanna take one or two dribbles, then pass, and I'm just like, dude, it's just that's not the way to play. I mean, you have to understand and you have to buy in as, say, a wing. If the ball gets passed to you and you throw it to the corner and the corner might throw it into the big, but then the big might throw it back to you. And then that's your opportunity to take the ball to the rack. Or it might get swung all the way to the weak side where you were – it where it originally started, but then that's your opportunity – to cut or to attack with the one dribble pool or get all the way to the paint with two or three dribbles because you came from the weak side and you have to understand and buy into a system that even though you, you might be playing a little, you know, you're, you're swinging the ball, you're playing as a team, but once it comes back to you, then that's the way, that's when you can be a little selfish to, to, cr- to try to create for your team. Am I right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and I'm going to give you a great example. And then this could go for it doesn't matter where you come from. It's what you do. So this is an example. I mean, our recent NBA champs are obviously the Warriors. And then what they do is, um, number one, they have a coach who was in the pop system under Popovich. So he understands how to move the ball and player movement, moving ball, the ball side to side. He's got guys who can score anytime they want one on one. But it doesn't I mean, they do play a lot of ISO, but they don't. There's times when they don't play much ISO at all. And, uh, but my example I'm going to give you, and this is perfect, is Popovich, you know, the Spurs, when they beat the Heat the last year, um, when LeBron's last year for Miami, they made Miami look like absolute elementary basketball players with the way they had their foreign players moving the basketball and cutting, and, and the ball was constantly moving. Even when they had a good shot, they wanted to get a great shot. So you you watched them in that series, you had guys like Parker, foreign guy, Ginobili, Duncan, Boris Diehl, uh Patty Mills, and, and they were just constantly passing up good shots for great shots. And, and Miami was just running around not knowing who to guard. Right. And a lot of times what they did is they just stood around. <laughs> they just stood around, and the Spurs ate them alive. And when, when you really watched that series, you just said, that team is so much better than the Miami Heat, and uh, the passing was just beautiful. I mean, it was it was incredible how they played. You know, they didn't care who got the credit, um, and, and it was just great ball movement. And I just think that that's why these guys from different different countries are so successful now in the NBA. And and then you add a guy on that Spurs team, then like Danny Green, who who was technically a big-time player in North Carolina, but he was a role player. Yeah. And he was a role player who did his part, hit open shots, defended well, and uh, that's how they win. And, and you know, it, isn't it funny that Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, who is a product of Popovich, you know, is, is very similar, you know, how they play. They want to get it to the post, and when they throw it in, they got action going outside the three-point line. There's got, you know, guys slipping, guys cutting, Uh, guys moving away from the ball and it's hard to stop. And, and, you know, then you get someone like who Draymond, a role player. Basketball isn't going to change ever in that regard. You have to have guys who will play their role and you got to move the ball. And if you, and if you don't defend also, then you're done. So I just think those guys in other countries have have really, they followed suit. I mean, they really have. Yeah. And they're, and then, and then what? What are you getting a result as? It's very successful uh, games in the playoffs, which is nice to see.
0: Right. No, and I get that. And you know what else I like about you know European basketball is um, they the on the youth level they don't play as much games. From what I found out, they they are actually train a lot. Like you know they they do practice as a team, um, but they train a lot throughout the years. Um, which I do like, you know, I, I am here in San Diego, obviously. And there's a, a big hub in the orange County LA area where we could go to tournaments and stuff. And from what I'm seeing is parents want more games versus the training. And I've bought into the process. Like, Hey man, like, like for instance, today, Elijah is not going to get up any shots today and he's not even going to pick up a basketball to dribble. But what he will do is we will go see our strength and conditioning coach and he will go run for our, do whatever workout the guy has them do for one hour. And then he will stretch for a half hour. And that is his workout today. Um, and we, we end up, we, we do a lot of this type of stuff where I would like to see in the United States, a, a break, does it mean that you have to take a break from training, but just a break from games? Like I even have parents that are just like they want to go all year around, which is the norm. And I'm just like, man, you know, you can take two months off and not play, and just, you know, we can we can get up uh, two practices a week as a team. Your kid can go see certain skill trainers can go see certain strength and conditioning coaches, maybe do a little bit of shooting or whatever dribbling every day on their own if you, if needed. But I yeah. noticed that that's just not what is happening anymore. And in, in some cases kids get burnt out. Am I right?
1: No, you're absolutely right. And I, I think the burnt out thing is look, kids want to be kids. Still kids want to have their, uh, their time to themselves. Um, I don't think kids have changed too much. I think the system has. I think that we're, we're focused so on. It's got to be organized. we got to play in a tournament. we got to play games. we got to, you know, ah, we're going to play a million games. And then this is another example. I, I, there's a program where I'm from on the girls' end, and I looked at their schedule two days ago, and they have like 16 tournaments. And I'm going, what in the world? You know, these girls have played all year. You know, these are all girls who, they, they love basketball, obviously, if they're playing AAU. This is their sport they love. And if you're going to play 16 tournaments, and uh, right when your high school season's over, and it's like every weekend, obviously, you got to love it. Um, You got to have a passion for it. But you're right, because you have to have that time when you're just developing. You know, I I always say this to people who ask me, like, well, what did you do when you played? One thing I I know for a fact, Andrea, is when I was a basketball person, I was locked into that sport. I never put a ball down. That didn't mean I always had a practice and had a game. You know, I just never put a ball down. I was always going outside shooting. I was developing my skills. I was trying to get better. I didn't need to have a an AAU tournament every weekend, every year, all year. You know, I didn't I didn't need that. I didn't do that just, either. Yeah, and, and I love what you did because we talked last year and when you said we haven't even played a tournament yet, and you had a month or two of practice. I love that because now you're really – seeing who loves the game. You know, when you when you can go and you can meet a player and you train him and he and he's practicing, he's developing, and, and there's no, like, reward, a trophy, and he keeps showing up, you got something there. You got something there because that kid loves this game. He just wants to be on that court. And I think kids need that. They need some space. They need to be able to do things on their own, and that's how they're doing it over there. They're, they're practice, practice, practice in some countries. And, uh, you know, I watched a special on Luka Doncic and gosh, he was just, it was just nonstop practice. They didn't show any of his games really. I don't think
0: he, I don't think he played until like, until he was like 11 or 12, like they start really playing games. Like they just practice, which I love, like I'm all about that. You know, even my son now he's, he's getting to the point where he's got friends that play on other teams, cousins, um. And they're always playing. And so he's like, oh, yo, so-and-so is going to a tournament. What about me? I'm like, dude, like, let's just go see Ryan. Let's go see Jordan Lolly. Let's yeah. just go to AJ. Let's just get our strength and conditioning going. And he's just like, yeah. well, I think I need a play. I'm like, no, you see that's you're getting wrapped up in with everybody else. I don't, you don't need to play every weekend.
1: <clears throat> no. You just don't. I mean, I think what happens, you know, there's got to be still a little bit of incentive. I mean, kids are, they want that reward. And, and I, gosh, I think adults, we want the reward, right? We want to work hard and earn something or have the right to earn something. But I just think the big picture has to be the most important thing. Let's be very honest. If you're an American basketball player and you're a young kid, you're, what are your goals? They're very simple. You want to play in college or play in pro. But it's very simple. We need to simplify that. What's your goal? Your goal is not to be the best 14 year old ever. Your goal is to play college, save your parents a little bit of money that they keep investing in and maybe get a scholarship to play basketball. You know, this is another, I'm trying to drop some bombs for you today, Andre. This is a prime example. I I got some great friends, you know, I've been fortunate to have awesome people in my life and I got a friend named Dan just wildly successful. Um, and, uh, his student debt was unreal. He went to college. You know, he, he went into engineering, I believe. Now he's in the financial world. And I, I don't know his major, but this guy was hundred some thousand dollars in debt.
0: Oh, it's most, wow. most, most Americans.
1: Most Americans, it's, it's a struggle, right? Well, for me, thank goodness, I'm not very thrilled where I'm at in life yet, but I don't have a lot of debt because I was fortunate enough to um, get some scholarship money to play basketball. And um, I traveled around and played the game. So I, so my debt was a little bit less. I think that needs to be continuously harped on our kids. Look, your goal is to be skilled enough and good enough and understand this game where you can go to college and maybe not have debt. And that's gotta be the main goal. And then, Hey, you know what? Once you graduate or gosh, if you're good enough to play pro, that's such a blessing and man, I'm, I'm proud of you, but know what your main goal is. Let's not have debt. Let's play a game we love for free. I mean, my goodness, not many people have that opportunity. And no. uh, I think those guys over there, again, I think their goal, you know, what their goal is is to play in the NBA and it's a big, big goal. But now, you know, what you're finding a lot of these guys want to play NCAA basketball here. I was
0: just going to tell you that I was waiting for you to get your thought out. I was just yeah. going to say that.
1: And our coaches are really liking these guys. You know, they're really liking them. And we're getting more of them. And uh, look, American basketball is still great. I'm not going to sit here and be the the pessimistic guy, but I'm just going to put this out here. I'm going to drop this for you. They are catching at a rapid pace. They are catching. And look, it's a big world. It's America versus the world. I get that. So it's a little unfair. But at the same time, this is probably what – I think basketball is our number 1 popular sport. I do believe that right now. So if that's our main sport, guess what? These guys over there are really catching.
0: No, and I and I think they bought in like you said. I mean, they bought they're truly bought into the process. I do know that it's always it's always talked about. It's it's all over social media about buying in the process. And 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 I I'll tell you what. I, I truly believe most trainers believe that. Like, I talk to Ryan Rizuki all the time, great guy, great young kid, and he's always saying, I would rather have Elijah with me seven days a week or five days a week, and maybe he plays, like, a season or a couple tournaments every few months and then just works on his game. Like, you don't need, you don't need all those games. Like, he tells me all the time. He's like, yeah. He's like, think about it. The game is what? A tournament game. A, a normal A normal game is what? 40 minutes, right? 20 minutes each yeah. half. But guess what? When you go to a tournament, they're not giving you 20 minutes each half. They're giving you like 14 minutes each half. Maybe 15. Yeah. You know? Because they, they want to they pump these games out. They're trying to make money. So oh, there's yeah. a, So it's a 30-minute game. Maybe thirty-two minutes at the most, and he looks at me and goes, "How much um, in in those thirty-two minutes? How many touches does he have?" Sure. How many shots did he take up?
1: All well, I'm going to. It is, Andre. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to be very blunt, and I'm going to. This is the problem that we're having. Number one, we have too many chiefs. I said that to you before we started the show. Oh, too absolutely. many chiefs. have an, and I truly believe that. Number two, this, is, this would change the whole dynamic if trainers did this more. Ryan's not wrong, but then you question, well, what are you doing in your training to where we're making up for him not playing? Are you just training or do they play still? Because one thing the Europeans are doing a really good job of too. Again, I know I'm pumping them up here, but they don't just train, train, train. They do play. Yeah, they, they play one-on-one. They play one-on-one full court. They play a lot of up and down with that group of kids. Again, it's one club. It's not one training center. It's one club. So we need to get trainers on board saying, look, you can't just train, 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 because let me be honest, that, that's not why we're playing basketball. We're not playing just to be good in training. you got to find time allocated to how many minutes are they playing the game? So if you've got an hour session, you're going to have to find that time to dedicate them to playing three-on-three situational, five-on-five, one-on-one. If you're not doing that, your kids are just good with no defense. They're just good in skills. They're not good as a player. And then I think that if I ever really fully do it again, I mean, I've always kind of done it that way anyway, and I think it does help, but I'm really going to focus on not calling it training. I'm going to call it just basketball development or whatever I'm going to call it. It's going to be about fully developing you know, I, have already trained my name to trifecta training. We train, we play, you know, we lift, you know, you gotta lift weights. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to do it all in one and that's hard. I mean, I, I'm not going to maybe be better in skills than someone else, but I, I think I'm going to be more well-rounded. And I just really think like when I watched Lucas special, gosh, it was so good. I wish I remember the name. They were running stairs as a team. They were doing push-ups as a team. They were doing skills as a team. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to let people off the hook when they when they have the excuse of overuse injuries. These guys were in the gym for five hours. <laughs> you no, know, they were. It was non. It was like a training camp. It wasn't a training session. It was a training camp, and it was a lot of days of that. And yeah. I think that you find out who truly loves it. And, uh, look, man, we're never going to be perfect. You're going to look back and think, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done this, but we got to fully develop. It can't just be about one thing.
0: No, no. I mean, especially in my practices, I do a lot of three on two. I do a lot of one-on-one five on five. One of my favorite ones that I got off of Jordan that I do is it's one-on-one. But then if you get to the paint, I have one guy at the uh, low block and he is help side defense. Yep. So he is not allowed to move until you get to a certain area in the paint. Yep. Then he'll come, then he'll come in. Uh, he'll help. But other than that, he's just sitting, he's a sitting duck.
1: Yep.
0: He's awesome. So I do a lot of that. So I do do a lot of that stuff because I do know that they need to get, like you said, those reps in and what I do honor and and what i and i what i tried to go for is like if i show them a situation or a certain move whether it's a rip punch dribble you know uh shot you know then i show them a counter or two through that when they're playing that one-on-one or that two-on-two or whatever or you know the pick and roll and the slip i'll tell them what we just worked on should transfer over to the one-on-one you know the the two versus the three or the three versus the two and then the five-on-five let's see if we can do that can we at least try it if we mess up so what but at least try
1: absolutely no one of the drills we used to do and I I think it's very similar to what you're talking about we used to do one-on-one where I was on the wing and I said okay you only get one pass and what I did is I said you only get that. You don't. You can't pass it twice. What happened more times than not? I did it as a teaching moment. A lot of guys didn't pass. <laughs> they just kept. They just went. I said, "Wait a minute! You got one pass. Why aren't you using it?" So what I taught them was, it's when you pass. You don't have to pass the same time every time. A lot of the kids started every time they drove, then they passed. You know, it was the same thing. I said, "Hey, sometimes we're one on one. I check the ball. I go watch this. I check it to the kid, and I swing it right away." And then the guy guarding me goes, what the heck? Then I just cut right by him. And yeah. then I was like, oh, wow. You know, look, you don't have to pass at a certain time. But if I really want to get open, the best time to get open, in my opinion, as a player, is when you're moving with the ball, you dribble, you kick it out, then you replace. Then that guy's yep. chasing after you again. He's got to think about multiple things when he's guarding you. And, and I think that that was a simple way where, hey, we didn't get to get up and down. But they're situational playing there. They're they're having to drive and kick. They're having to move. They're not just having a ball in their hands the whole time. And then we would do it where, hey, now you get to pass twice. And then they only pass once usually. <laughs> you know, and I'm hey, like, <laughs> watch this. I check it up again. I swing it. Hey, ball, 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 pass. I rip. I kick it out again. I get it back, and then I go attack. And uh, you know, those were just ways to teach kids. You know, another another thing that's a small gem. And uh, look, I mean, there's so many good guys out there. I mean, this isn't. We're never negative here. I mean, in our society, gosh, if you're if you're too mean, kids will quit. I mean, <laughs> just be honest. That's so yeah. That's the
0: norm now. That's the norm now. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's supposed to be exciting. It is a game. It is supposed to be fun, um, but but you got to teach. You have to teach fully. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, man. This is so much fun is and the basketball will never not be fun for me and you. And we want it to be fun for the kids. I mean, that's why we do what we do. That's why we talk about this. That's why we train. That's why we are in a gym dedicating time, but uh, you know, you learn as you go and I just hope these kids continue to grow and, and I know they will, but there's a lot of things we can help with. There really is.
0: Oh, absolutely. What, one other thing I wanted to do uh, touch base, um, base on before we uh, we end, is uh, the ability to stay under control when you're dribbling. But, I mean, because everybody can stay under control and dribble slow. And so I want them to go from, you know, a three-quarter speed to as fast as they can, 100%, and hunt the paint. And as soon as they hunt the paint, I want them to be able to be under control. So for me, what. I have been preaching and teaching is a jump stop, like get to the paint and jump stop. Like, yes, I understand you can go from three quarter speed or slow or as fast as you can and be reckless and unbalanced and throw up a floater that everybody knows little Johnny's going to miss because it's, I mean, you just see him going and you're like, okay, well, Johnny's using his speed, but guess what? He's unbalanced. That that shot's not going in. So I'm screaming and yelling to rebound um, before the shot's even going up because I already know he's going to miss. So I'm starting to teach the ability to go from three-quarter to as fast as you can in a controlled way, quick jump stop, whether you're looking up at the rim, that hands go up, you either can kick out and dish – or you have a perfect time to floater. You can shoot a nice shot. There's several things you can do off of that quick, hard jump stop. Um, and I just feel like even watching the game, it's kind of like a lost art. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, I think what you're talking about is, is being able to stop and be effective when you stop. Uh, an example is this Steph Curry versus Russell Westbrook, I would have a harder time, believe it or not, defending Curry because he stops so well. Whereas Russ, look, I know when he has it, it's it's go, it's go, go, go. And I know he's going to try to create right away. Whereas Steph, you just don't know. You just don't know when he's going to create. Lillard's so good at that where he, he goes, stops, shoots, he goes, stops, goes by he's a right. good stopping player. And, and there's a lot of guys that are good at stopping Kyrie. So difficult because he's stopping, but it seems like he's still moving. <laughs> you know, He's just, you know, he's so jerky, so uh, flexible with the ball. And uh, he can stop and he's such a threat and he separates so well. And uh, he doesn't need a lot of contact to do it where guys like Harden are great at stopping too, but they use body contact a lot. Um, yeah. But you know, yeah. Teaching players how to stop. I mean, correctly stopping looking at the basket when you stop so you can shoot right away. Um, you know, there's a couple of good trainers out there that have been talking about that a lot on, on being able to stop right away and be able to shoot right away, uh, being able to stop and make a decision right away. Um, those are just key points. You know, a simple drill that we would do because I really feel like simplifying is, is everything. I'm learning that more and more. I used to be a little more dynamic. I think I'm more simple now. You know, you put three cones, since there's no defender there, dribbles, go to the next cone, stop, go to the next cone, stop, and then you make your play. Those are good drills that I learned from high-level coaches, where whether it was European or my assistant coach at Western Michigan, second at UCLA. So he really loved the stop at the cone stuff and uh, being able to stop and then blow by. So, yeah, being able to be in control – by going full speed and stopping. And, uh, it saved my life as a player. I mean, it just did the one thing that doesn't change a whole lot. And, and it does with some players some guys have multiple spots on the floor that they can attack you. Uh, a simple way to think of it is this, you know, there's, there's three levels on the offensive side. There's a three point line and above there's mid range and there's getting to the rim. You know, those, if you can have all three in your game, You know, I learned this at Five Star and and from pro pro coaches. If you have a three level to your game where you can shoot from outside, mid-range, end drive, you are very, very tough to stop. And uh, the next thing I add to that is being able to create in all those spots, not just for yourself, but for other guys. So that's when you have a pro. I mean, that's a legit who can be comfortable anywhere on the court, on the offensive side, and uh, it's powerful. And it takes a lot of players a long time. To have that. And uh, you know, the guy that has it all, and the reason why he's the best offensive player is Kevin Durant. And he oh, yeah. to score from outside. He can pass from anywhere because he's bigger than everybody else. But let's be honest, how many Kevin Durant's are out there in this world? There's just not a lot. So you yeah. gotta look at players that you feel that you're how many times in our segments have I said I used to watch guys that I knew I could relate to. So you want to have three levels of play. Well, you got to look at a guy who's about as close as you can get to. And for me, that'd be Steph Curry, someone who's not ultimately gifted as an athlete where he's a threat from three levels from, from deep. I mean, gosh, for him, it's like four or five levels. You know, it's, it's deep three, it's, it's short three, it's mid range, it's driving. And, uh, he's just a threat and he's, he's a threat at any level. So for me, that's what I had to have. And uh, but but yeah. going back to what you said before, being able to stop, being able to be in control, and being able to do that uh, is great. You know, I always use the uh, Louis, M- Louis Mendoza theory. You know, remember the Mighty Ducks, where he couldn't stop. He's a yeah 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 couldn't stop couldn't stop right. Once he started yeah. stopping, well, that boy could play some hockey, couldn't he? So Man,
0: you're talking
1: D2. <laughs> that was D2. D2. I'm dry, I'm dropping the bombs today. I tried to tell you, but like yeah. I, said, I mean, Russell Westbrook finally came out and said he needed to become a better shooter. I'll be honest. I'll go to a different level. He needs to be a better stopper, be able to stop being able to just play slower. And uh, everyone's saying it, you know, sometimes you got to listen, you know, guys like, Charles Barkley, I think, said one day, he doesn't have to play that fast all the time. He doesn't always have to have the ball. And uh, he's one speed. And that's why, even though he's great, that's why a few other guys are more effective sometimes in the playoffs.
0: Oh, absolutely. I love that. I love that.
1: Louis Mendoza. I mean, how do I remember that? I'm telling you.
0: I don't even know. But I I just, I I was happy enough that I knew it was um, Mighty Ducks 2 and not like, Mind Ducks won. I, I knew it was
1: D2. That's right, man. I'm, dude, I, you're out here in Michigan, man. You play a little hockey. You got to, you know, uh, hockey is another sport. I'm telling you, man. You know, I, I want to end, if we can, on one thing. You know, we can talk about this, how the other sports, I, I know we've said this a couple times, how the other sports can help you in basketball. And I played hockey. And talk about a sport where you have to stop all the time. You had to skate and stop, skate and stop, skate and stop. And uh, I played hockey, and I think it helped me.
0: I was just going to ask you that. Did Do you think it helped you?
1: Yeah, I think that other sports can help you. I mean, football, I played slot receiver, so it's a lot of, uh, you know, a couple steps, stop and go. It's it's a lot of finding little areas, so it did help me. And, and plus, I had had good hands, so that helped and, in basketball, uh, hockey, baseball. I played tennis. Tennis was great. That's a stop game where you're moving, you're stopping, you're cutting. Um, And uh, I think it's powerful. And that goes back to what you said earlier with all these kids, they play, play, play basketball. Sometimes they need to play other sports. I mean, they, they do need to maybe touch on a couple other sports. We're very blessed in America because we have more opportunity than a lot of kids do in other countries where we have a lot of equipment, a lot of facilities, we have a lot of trainers in multiple sports so we're blessed you know, we're very blessed and i'm thankful that for most of my life i did play other sports and then i think it did build up me as a basketball player
0: yeah oh i bet man you know what man you dropped serious bombs today like you said um thank you so much uh for being on you know and uh with
1: that note, man, we are out. We're out of here.